following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Hammer time! Are you a homeowner who is dangerous with tools? Do you start a project and never finish it? Because no. frustration sets in. Do you think maybe you should have called a professional? Break it down! Well, look no further. Image Home Improvement is now live from the Star Worldwide Networks Tower. And now, remodeling contractor, TV personality, and your host for Image Home Improvement, Steve Dubell. Ah, uh, yes, it is Saturday morning again. It's time for Image Home Improvement live right here on Star worldwide networks and we want to welcome all of you to the show today you know one of the things that i get asked a lot about and i'm sure dan does too you know we're talking about taking a look at some of those fix and flips uh yes the uh what they used to call the flipper act the, the flipper <laughs> and i act? don't mean the dolphin <laughs> oh, okay i'm not even, i was gonna try to do the dolphin sound but i couldn't do it no 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 yeah but anyway, we want to talk a little bit with uh, Jim Eckley from Eckley & Associates today. And we're going to talk about some new laws that reflect uh, everyone who decides that they want to get involved and try and make some money and do a fix and flip. But, you know, it's not for everybody because there are certain people really like homeowners that are dangerous with tools. And they shouldn't start trying to do this on their own without consulting a professional, especially for the first time. Yeah, especially when, uh, like, I looked at a flip yesterday, and there was no permit for the new electrical panel, and the old mast was still sagging at about 90 degrees. Really? <laughs> Little problems like that come up. Well, but, you know, yeah, right. from, a legal, from a legal standpoint, that's what's most common, is to find out that somebody didn't have a license or that there was a permit required that was never obtained. And uh -huh. then folks don't realize that when they go to do the flip side, resell that now after they've fixed it, those are going to be disclosure items. Or a good home inspector is going to come through and call those out immediately, it's, and it's going to have a real adverse effect either on the value or on the ability to sell it. Yeah, That's right. That's amazing. And also, we've got some other guests today. We want to let you know uh, who's going to be in studio with us today. Also with us right now is Kevin Fulkerson from Cornerstone Design. Kevin, thanks for being back on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. And, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a great uh, new announcement for those of you who may not have seen it on LinkedIn. Why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about you know, your new endeavor? Well, I work with a big real estate group here locally. It's a national group. Um, we have a group here locally, about 150 to 200 people. Um, we get together twice a week. And then we have property tours a couple times a week. So it's, it's a group of people who are just beginning and then some who have tons of experience, uh, networking together, putting deals together, education program. It's like getting a college education uh, without, you know, you're still going to spend some money, but you're not going to lose money on deals if, if you, you know, if you follow everything that's done. So um, I kill a lot of deals in there because people bring me properties to look at and they are not good flips right now. The flip market has kind of slowed. You can't find properties where you can make money on them. That's true. And, and you know, now, now you have, Robin, we have two people in here that have been known as deal killers, <laughs> Kevin and Dan. I like Dan, that, Dan is the primary deal killer, because especially when he goes and looks at homes and, you know, he's, he's, Dan is the, the home inspector that you would love to hate. Yeah, I have a client. From he Oklahoma. has a love-hate relationship yeah. with all realtors. A client from Oklahoma calls me Dr. Death. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though because you got to think about it when you're the buyer or the seller. I mean, it's almost in a sense they're your saviors because especially if you're the buyer, you don't want to walk in there and not know what the heck you're getting yourself into. That's an expensive problem. Well, you know, we you know, we've got we, we've got so much to talk about today. It it's it goes even beyond an hour. So we're going to probably have to make this a 2-hour. One thing I want to let everybody know about that we will get into on a later show that I saw on TV earlier this week. Okay, and Dan, you can comment on this because you've seen this. We've we've talked about this, okay, where there is no accountability for appraisers in the state of Arizona. You cannot get them to turn around and, and be accountable for what they it's it's purely speculative. What mm -hmm. they decide your home is worth. In fact, there have been cases cited, the one specifically that I saw earlier this week that was on uh it, it was, it's been going on for, I think, for like two years where the homeowner lost money because the appraiser misappraised their home in a lesser value than it should have been. Mm -hmm. And, and there's no accountability. 
Yeah, as long as the bank says yes, that appraisal is good. Yeah, because who, and, you know, we're going to get into that as well as some other stuff with Jim as well, you know, for, you know, <laughs> the home inspectors, all right, <laughs> especially people that don't that do not do a complete job and try and do a rush home inspection in an hour. Oh, please, give me a break. <laughs> Dan does a home inspection. It takes it, three, to four, three to four hours, half a day, okay? And some of the ones that, the latest one that I saw Three was days. a 12-pager that looked like Dan's introduction <laughs> to his 45-page report. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, the accountability has to be there for a lot of these things. But uh, Well, the appraisers have some accountability. And one of them is, of course, that they have to appraise when it's a federally underwritten program where the loan is coming from by certain standards established by that program. So they have to meet that criterion and not exceed it. And the big liability that most appraisers have is to appraise and approve overvaluing of properties when ultimately the mortgage goes upside down and the property is discovered to be worth about half what it was appraised for. Then the folks that come after them are the feds. Well, because yeah, they're the ones that are losing the money on underwriting those loans and the banks. Well, you know, it's funny. That, well. It's funny that we got on the topic of loans because our, our second uh, guest for the second half hour of the show is Jeff Cadillac from Nexa Mortgage, and we're going to be talking a little bit about mortgages and stuff, And but we want to, you know, remind everybody you could find us here every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. on Star Worldwide Networks. You can also check out our archive shows on our landing page as well as our website, imagehomeimprovementshow.com, and um, it's always, as we say, Robin, you could always say there's never a dull moment. That's what my mom used to say, especially here. This is not your typical home improvement show. And absolutely not. And I've got to say this to the ladies out there. I have a studio full of men this morning. And boy, let <laughs> All me right. tell you. How often do I start off my Saturday morning with a room now full see, of men? Now, see, if I said that and it was a whole room full of women, I'd probably be called a chauvinist. But I'm not being chauvinist. I know. I'm working I know. on a show with guys all the time, and you do have some women guests in here. But the cool thing is, is my whole roundtable this morning is full <laughs> That's of guys. Right. And this and is for, really cool. And for all our ladies who really in, were inspired by one of our shows that we did last year, that we'll probably do again coming this year, will be the the women of IHI. Oh, and then we'll outnumber you and Dan. And I that, like yeah, it. I mean, there were so many. That's a best of show. The women of IHI. So I've got to tell you, it's going to be. So many good things coming down the pike this month, but uh, let's get into a little bit about some this information about these new fix and flips. Jim, tell us a little bit about what's what's going on. What's what's changing? Well, only first of all, I want to say about fix and flips that I think societally they're a positive, and the reason being is is it's free urban renewal. Other than us being taxed, for instance, to go into these areas that have a little scratchier residential co- uh, qualities. We now have people who are enticed by the marketplace to go in and use their money to fix them up and ultimately make a profit by reselling them. It also increases the tax basis, and it's even been demonstrated that it changes uh, the socioeconomics of the neighborhood so that there tends to be less crime over time, and, uh, and people tend to keep their properties up that are owner-occupiers. So it actually is a good thing, uh, and so I consider it a positive thing that only has to be done right in order to make it a really worthwhile thing. Now, right now, as you know, there's been an inventory shortage in Arizona, and that actually fueled last year quite a market, very voracious market that was driving prices ever up. There tends to be a slowing down now, and in some communities, there's even a withdrawal of the sales directory and and, uh, numbers and values that are being rendered, and that probably is inevitable, and it would have come about anyway if the market had gotten high enough to trigger the builders to start building again because they uh, can always offer incentives on new homes that used homes don't get. And one of them, of course, is a longer warranty period or even a warranty at all. So there's value to the fact that the market now is trying to reconfigure what it's going to do for this year and next. But fix and flips are still out there. And in some marketplaces, uh, it's the only inventory there is. And what you'll find is over time, as the inventory disappears in one neighborhood because they bypassed other neighborhoods that were maybe more distressed, then the older and distressed neighborhoods start looking more attractive and they go back to them because they've now cleaned up neighborhoods. Well, yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing, supply and demand. I mean, and Kevin, you know, we've gone out and you think about uh, approaching people one-on-one, possibly in the neighborhood. And, you know, we've done, we've knocked on doors and just, you know, have noticed certain things happening in the neighborhood. And sometimes people are not that receptive 
to when you do a door knock and say, hey, you know, we're, we, uh, you, you know, we understand there's some properties in the neighborhood. You know, we're we're um, you know we're investors. We want to go back and you know do remodel work. Some people may take that as Jim had said, where it's a positive. Other people may turn around, and I've seen you know investors tell me this too, where you know they've got that you know they almost virtually got the boot out the door because they took offense that somebody like, oh, the big greedy investors here to suck my house away from me and, and kick me out. And then all he wants to do is make money from it. So it's a, it's, it, it's, um, you know, we've got to, I, that actually, that happened to me one day. I asked somebody on a property, I knocked on the door because I had noticed that he had been on the auction list and it kept, the date kept changing. Okay, so finally I went by there because we were doing some remodel work in the neighborhood and I knocked on the door and you could tell there's like the old Chevy pickup truck that's been covered with dust for 20 years in the driveway. You know, the house just looks like it's been a storage area. And the guy opened the door and I I was very courteous, very nice, you know, and then virtually, you know, I got that now. Goodbye. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, give me a break. But so that's a, a thing that you've got to live with. Well, know? in some cases, don't these let it, people don't are right. Don't take it personal. And it can be that some folks that are living right now in their homes uh, virtually could not buy a new home. And they've already had thoughts like that. For instance, they may not be able to qualify. Many of them have stayed in homes long past the normal five to seven year flip period, when, which is the old days, primarily because they couldn't qualify for a new loan even if they wanted to. They came out of 2007 through 2012 with a bad credit jacket, the time when the market collapsed, and that credit jacket still isn't going to qualify them for a loan. Or they may ask themselves, why do I want to move out of where I'm secure and happy and and have all that mess and fuss and only sell an expensive orange to go buy an expensive apple? Because that means when they go out and look, they're going to be back on the marketplace, and it's all inflated. So they, they really don't come out ahead on anything like that. You know, um, when you're door knocking, Steve, one of the things you have to be aware of is a lot of people think that the banks or the mortgage companies are filing to get the property to make a lot of money. By law, the the only money that can be paid out is the debt that's owed, which is typically a first mortgage. Usually the others get wiped out. And then um, the uh, trustee's fees. So if a property is going to auction for 100000 and it's worth two hundred. Typically, it's still not even going to go for 100 Guys are going to bid it at 100 101 whatever. Right. They're going to bid low. But if there should be extra money after paying any liens and, and the trustees and stuff, that goes to that homeowner. Because people, they go, they just want to take my property, get all the money out of it. Well, typically, there isn't any money in it. And by law, if there is extra, it has to go to the homeowner. So you're there really trying to help them get a solution. Is there any way? Can I help you to save your property? And usually it comes down to they don't have a relative to borrow from, they can't get a second job, et cetera, et cetera. So then you're trying to make them a fair offer in your mind, and their right. mind is never fair. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, but yeah. a lot of people think, well, they're just trying to take my property back because I only owe 100 it's worth 200 But the problem is it's not really worth 200 because you've let it run down. Right. And you owe back, back payments and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Well, what I've found is that the repo property business, and that being the distressed property that you focus on, has really subsided. Uh, the kind of rehab that you see now for fix and flips or they go into neighborhoods that are on their way uh, or right next to a neighborhood that's on its way up by virtue of rehabs that are already being done. Arcadia Light. (laughs) Arcadia Light. Great example. For instance, down where my building is at uh, 36th and uh, Campbell, East Campbell, that whole neighborhood started out as a 1965 neighborhood. And uh, eight, nine years ago, most of them still looked like they were a 1965 home. And then, of course, the uh, rehab uh, panic and uh, struck, and everybody was buying like crazy, and I think overpaying to begin with. But now all those streets in their 40th, 42nd, 41st are jewels driving down them. Oh, they yeah, look absolutely. Like what they looked like before, and the values have all gone up, and a whole different crowd has moved in. And I don't think anybody took a bath on those. In fact, a lot of the people would come down to my office since it was so close and ask me to look at the sales papers, and these were fix and flippers that were paying a reasonable price to get that property. So, oh, yeah. so for them, they were not in distress. They were happy right. in blazes well, to see that cash. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had, I had um, a pr- actually two properties that we were uh, doing work for an investor that was in California, right off of uh, 36th Street in Campbell, okay? And it, right in there, and every all of a sudden, you know, every, it went crazy. Almost every other lot had a dumpster in front of it. People were doing remodeling, and then, you know, they 
one property we actually looked at, they scraped it and they built a new one. Uh, the other one that they did, and I don't know who got, you know, this is, this is one thing that really uh, is a problem when you don't have an HOA, where they turned around, they took this one property, they wanted to do an add-on, okay? And it was right next to my client's property that I was taking care of on the corner. They built this two-story monstrosity that was right next door to it, and then my client put his home up on the, on the market for sale, and he's like, I'm thinking, okay, if I was the buyer, why would I want to live next to something that looks that ugly? And it's too, I mean, somebody may have bought it, but I mean, the, what did he do for the neighborhood? Not a whole lot. You overbuilt for the neighborhood. That should never put a two-story house in this, on, on this block. Well, the HOA method is actually something of later distinction. In other words, when you go into these 60s and 50s and 40s even neighborhoods, you're going to find out there was never an HOA because that wasn't a trend in those days. Yeah. Uh, you started seeing HOAs mostly in the late 70s. That's about the time they came in. And you're right. Of the many bad things that can be said about an HOA, one of the good things is it can at least regulate activity like that. Yeah. But when there is no HOA, people can build dinosaurs uh, right next to your property, which will have an adverse effect. Oh, yeah. To not only to looking just out the window and seeing what they built, but uh, to anybody that wants to buy, because they're going to ask the same question, do I want to live in a house like that? Exactly. So there is value to that. But by the way, neighbors can take action on something like that, usually through planning and zoning and talk about an atypical property. And they do have rights under the local code, city and county codes, to lighten air and to have uh, their vista not change. So there's some, there's some law that can help if that happens. But in most cases, you're right, the HOA, there could have been a real benefit. Not there. It's not going to yeah. get it. Well, you have to watch yeah. out, too, is on some of these, um, Jim, and this, you may be aware of some. There are some older HOAs in Phoenix neighborhoods that are defunct. Yep. But it doesn't mean that the rules are in a way. I was involved in a house, single-story house, two houses away, um, some investors had built a, I don't know if it's actually investors, someone had built a two-story house. A gentleman who lived in the neighborhood for many, many years knew about the HOA, knew the rules, filed a lawsuit because the HOA rule said no two stories. What got them out of it and allowed the house to stay is that it also said um, no certain races could not live there, no people of of certain really? colors and creeds could be on the streets after certain hours. Oh, yeah, it was very, and the judges said this thing is, and threw it out. They threw it because out. Of that. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, pretty bad. There yeah. is cases, though, where HOAs were formed, say, in 1976, and then ultimately just got forgotten. And then time goes on, and everybody ignores them, and they build or do whatever they want to do, and then suddenly something like that comes up. Yeah. Yep. And they can actually go by, uh, and if it turns out that there's no offensive unconstitutional issues inside of the CCNRs, they can actually try to enforce those, even though that thing has been sitting there for years, and, and maybe push you into changing your home or your plans. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have more with, as Robin said, all the guys <laughs> here in the studio at, with Jim Eckley from Eckley & Associates, Kevin Fulkerson from Cornerstone Design, and, of course, our resident... Home Inspector Dan Hayden, as well as moi, Steve Dubell from Image Home Improvement. So I want everybody to stay tuned. We've got more exciting stuff coming your way, so stay tuned. Don't go away. Are you tired of the runaround from your heating and air conditioning company? Hi, I'm Steve Dubell, and I'd like to tell you about a company I respect and trust, the pros at Quality Systems Air Conditioning and Refrigeration. They are the Valley's premier heating and air conditioning service company. Each and every professional at Quality Systems goes through a stringent training process of continuing industry education. Larry Thompson, the owner of Quality Systems, and his staff exemplify the meaning of integrity and honesty. Quality Systems is a licensed, bonded, and insured company for your protection. When I have a heating and air conditioning need, I call the pros at Quality Systems. Why wait? Call the pros at Quality Systems right now, 480-247-7654, or find them on the web at qualitysystemsac.com. Thinking about remodeling your kitchen or bathroom? Confused about which company to choose to supply and fabricate your new countertop? Let me make that choice simple for you. 
Papagno's Marble and Granite, a family-owned business and experts in their field, installing many types of products such as granite, marble, onyx, travertine, silestone, and much, much more. Their personalized service will help make sure that you have the right material choice for your next remodel. Their high-tech fabrication equipment on-site will expedite the delivery and installation of your countertop. Give Papagno's a call today, 480-948-4282, or check them out on the web at papagnos.com. Celebrity voice impersonated. Hi, this is your former president. I told my Arkansas girlfriend she was painting her eyebrows too high. She looked surprised. Have you ever started a project on your home by yourself and it turned out worse than my presidency? Sometimes you need to call in a professional, especially when that professional is affordable and can fix everything. Call Image Home Improvement 623-580-0901 or log on to imagehomeimprovement.com. Let the pros make everything look beautiful. Call Image Home Improvement or log on to imagehomeimprovement.com. I thought a hot tub was a stolen bathroom fix. I'm Krista Guerin from HGTV's Flip It to Win It. If you're purchasing a home to live in or to flip, you need to know everything about it. Get to know your home through the professionals on Image Home Improvement Live every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. on Star Worldwide Networks. We are back, and you're listening to Image Home Improvement Live, right? This is the this is the you know one of those. You know, Dan, it's like we always love to say, it's one of those hot days for fixing flips. That's you, right. You know how that goes? Yeah. You know, we know somebody who's out doing that kind of stuff right now, you know, but I don't know if he's looking for a house. He may be looking for a crop. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think he's... Uh... Now, what's the weather like there out we... there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. It's damn hot. You can be a little thing. I saw it so damn hot. I saw one of those little guys in the orange robe bursting the flames. Is that hot? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's how hot it was. You know, the other day it was 112. And actually, somebody texted me a picture of their dashboard where it shows their temperature in their car. It was 113. That was the attic the other day. Well, well, Dan, you're used to that kind of stuff. It's like 140 when Dan goes up in the attic. Oh my God! You can bake cookies where I go. You can bake cookies and uh, you know fry eggs and all that other kind of good stuff. And roast other things, huh? <laughs> okay, we won't get into that. That's another show. All right. Anyway, let's get back to our discussion here about some fix and flips and some of the things that people need to know about. And you know, Jim brought up a very good point. Uh, I'll let him share with the listeners uh, during the break because. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, they see and they hear all these commercials and they think, well, anybody could do it. But there are certain other things that are going to make your life a lot easier and actually being able to follow the law. Yeah, there really is more to it. And I thought I probably should bring up the most common foul ups that we find on these fix and flips. And who usually brings it up? Well, it's the buyer. The buyer buys it and is unsatisfied with how it's uh, panning out, either the investment itself or things are breaking. Or uh, worse yet, somebody comes in like their uncle who's a contractor and says, hey, you can't do a light fixture like that. And how in the world did they wear that switch? And what, where's that master panel? It's upside down, <laughs> backwards, and it has no ground. Uh, or something <laughs> like that. And then they go, oh, man. So suddenly either the dinner bell rings like, hey, I could get some money out of this. <laughs> or this is a way to be sour grapes and to try to get out of the house maybe and out of the loan with the buyer's remorse. But there are some very discreet rules here that are commonly violated. One is this. There is a rule in Arizona, and uh, I have to look at quickly for this citation. I don't know all of the chapters by heart. It's ARS chapter 32-1121. It says this. If you buy a residential property with the intent of developing it for resale or without living in it or renting it out within a year of the day you buy it, then you must have a contractor's license, a general contractor's license, in order to build it out. Why? Because otherwise it would be a place for people to avoid contracting licenses entirely by always saying, well, I'm just buying this for my own personal use, fixing them up and selling them, and, and engaging in a large retail business. So it would allow them to avoid the general contracting license. That's from the ROC. So that means that if that is your intent, then you're going to have to get yourself a general contractor associated with that project right from the beginning. Because the one exception is that you get a GC who, through the GC, conducts all of the fix-up uh, fix that's going to happen at the property. That relieves you then of that liability, and it also puts a general contractor's warranties behind it and the ROC behind the general contractor to make sure they do a good job. Second thing is, is this handyman exception. 
Is there one? Well, there really is. You can do up to $1,000 worth of work by a person that does not have a license. Now, that's a combination of both the service and the costs. No matter on who a buys property, the materials. Right, at, and at one time. And that's right, no matter who buys the materials. In other words, you can't get out of it by having uh, some other vendor buy the materials or the owner buy the materials and then have the handyman install them. It's a total of all of it. Can't exceed $1,000, and it's a one-time shot for one handyman per house. And it does not include those that are specialty licenses, such as electrical, plumbing, and air conditioning. So for those, you're still going to have to have somebody with a license. So does that mean a handyman could come over and do some demo? Because demo is considered an activity that could require a license. Breaking down a wall, busting up some things out in the backyard to put them in a dumpster. Answer is, if it's up to $1,000, that's fine. But if it's over, that actually is considered general contracting in the state of Arizona. So even demolition is. And you're going to have to have a license. And one of the other things that's important about this is, at some point, if you're going to resell this, someone's going to ask you to fill out the seller's property disclosure statement that's traditional with properties being sold in Arizona. It's going to be the realtor, if it's going to be professionally listed, or it's going to be the buyer's realtor who says, I'm not buying this house or recommending it to my client unless I see it. It's called an SPDS for short. And on it, it very expressly asks for, has there been any work done in this house by a person who required a license but didn't have one? And it also says, uh, has there been anything that's required a permit on this house and you didn't pull one? And modifications to a home, especially ones that involve heating, cooling, electrical, or mechanical, can actually require a permit. It's not just a monetary amount. It's actually what object you're touching, what component you're touching inside that property. Why? Well, because those are pretty high technical tools. Those are the kind of things that if you do it wrong, somebody dies or a house burns down. That's, that's why uh, those elements that are for public safety are so heavily regulated, and that's why they want somebody with a license to be within a proximity of three feet of this thing at some point in its life history. So these are the things that are commonly not thought of, and this is where people are getting into some serious trouble. Violation of the licensure statute is a class of one misdemeanor, and that can result in up to six months in jail and a very large fine. So it's not anything to be taken unseriously, and people have been busted for that. You'll remember that here in the newspaper locally that some fellow that was running around fixing garage doors thinking that the garage doors doesn't require a license uh, from the Registrar of Contractors. I was very sadly upset to find out that it does, and now they actually have a want or a warrant out after this fellow and uh, some civil actions that are against him. So everything that, just keep this in mind, if you're buying it with the purposes of reselling it within a year, and you're not going to own or occupy it, or you're not going to put a tenant in it within a year, then you're statutorily assumed to be engaging in general contracting you will need a general contractor associated with this for purposes of that work. You are not excluded. Say, for instance, you say, well, you know what? I'm not going to hire anybody, and I'm not going to use handymen. I'm pretty good with my hands. I'm going to get my toolkit out and put on my hat and my gloves, and I'm going to get to work myself. No exception. Now you're engaging in unlicensed contracting. The minute you exceed $1,000 worth of value on whatever you did to that property. So that, that is also flip this over. That's the number one thing when you're buying a fix and flip that you need to focus on. You need to ask them, where are the permits? Where are the licenses? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to see those. Now, I notice that whole kitchen when they say, well, we don't, licenses? We don't need no, those speaking <laughs> licenses. Um, and you see that the entire kitchen has been remodeled and plumbing has been moved, electrical has been moved, and they don't have a license for that. They don't have any licensed contractors and they have no permits. That's the red, that's the red light going off right there. You've got a problem. And even if you're saying, well, I don't care about buying it. Well, would you care about it burning down and killing you and your kids? Or someday you might like to resell this. Would you like to have to then answer the SPDS and commit a fraud by lying on it and saying, uh, yeah, it's got all that, or I don't know, when you really do know and they don't have any licenses or permits. Well. So anyway, uh, oh, one last part. If it violates code, many times it's not covered by your homeowner's insurance. That's right. So if it burns down because of something that was a major violation, you may have absolutely no coverage for that at all. So you can see then that the, the issues just pile up on buying these. They're, they really are a good part of the market. They're worthwhile looking at. And I think everybody in their right mind, if they're buying a house, should take a look at them. Because so, some have really been done well, and they're little cutie yeah. pies that are perfect. Yeah. But, but you've got to ask those questions, and you can't settle. You know, that's the one thing. And, um, you know, Kevin, why don't you give out your contact information? Because uh, if anybody is in need of having some design work done for their home, or if they're just interested in getting more information about, you know, properties and investment. That's one of the things that, again, like Jim said, is important to have knowledge 
to be able to acknowledge and know what's going on. And that's one of the things that we strive to do here on Image Home Improvement Live. We want to bring you cutting-edge information to be able to keep you all up to speed on a lot of these things that happen because the laws are constantly changing. And these are mm-hmm. things that maybe, you know, used to be um, not regulated are now regulated. And if you're not up to speed or seek someone out. So if you need somebody like that, Kevin is your guy. Kevin, how could they contact you? Right. Um, I'll give you my contact info. One thing just to build on Jim's briefly is most people don't realize almost anything you do in a home needs a permit. You move a wall. You, if you restucco your house, it requires a permit. Now, some cities don't ask. The city of Phoenix, they want you to get a permit. You probably won't get in trouble if you don't. But reshingling your house, the permit is there to make sure you're using materials approved by the ICC code and that you're using a qualified installer. And that's the big thing that I try to tell people. You try to skirt the issue, you know, and, and you're spiting dollars and saving pennies because if you get in trouble one time, it, it can cost you dearly. So yeah, so uh, so they can get a hold of me at six zero two six nine five five three two four, or they can go through the Image Home Improvement website. There you go. And before we go to break, too, I want you know, uh, taking off on our comment earlier about Robin having all the men here in the studio today. We also have. A female guest in the studio, Denise Monte from DeMonte Interior Design is with us. And, and I'm going to interrupt you because okay. I didn't know she was coming at first. And you then she that? walks through the door after I made the comments. So welcome to you, beautiful. <laughs> now we have two women in the studio with a bunch of men. How about that? Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> We're happy now. Okay. And again, and again, working, working with Denise on a couple of projects, uh, again, uh, we're going to be getting through those here, hopefully in the next couple of months, along with Jim. And uh, it's it's going to be very interesting. And sometimes you do need an interior design person to come in and kind of like have a second set of eyes on your project. Because a lot of times, some people, they can't put colors together. They can't put styles together. You know, and somebody to guide them along the way, just like you can't, not every contractor is good just because they have a license. You know, that's that you it's a track record and you have to be able to show it. Denise has a great track record. So well, especially on these fix and flips because staging now has gone beyond putting some plants in a cup a dab and a Oh room. yeah, absolutely. Staging is now colors, the use of yeah. woods. And for very small amounts of money, you can make a property very soluble and actually add value. Right. Just and so simple you, things like coloration. And it's so important. It, some people they just don't see the value in it. But if you're in a, in a, like on a your own schedule in your head to sell this house, then, you know, you really should consider staging. The staging is it's well worth the money. And also proper lighting because you just can't throw some can lights in and make it work. Right. It's all how it actually right. comes out for your eye. Okay. All right. We're going to go to break and uh, Robin's guiding the ship. So I'm overdue. So I better get going here <laughs> and uh, don't go away. We're coming back with more with Jeff Cadillac from next to mortgage. We're going to be talking a little bit with him and Jim and Dan. So don't go away. Chances are when it's time to call a service professional, you need someone right away. Who can you call for those electrical problems fast? The answer is Mr. Electric a licensed, bonded, and insured company serving the Valley of the Sun since 2000. Some of their residential and commercial services include expert troubleshooting, replacing an outlet, hanging a ceiling fan, or upgrading your electric service, and much more. Rest assured, all work is guaranteed. Call today for your appointment, 480-503-1339. You can find them on the web at phoenixmetro.mrelectric.com. Remember, at Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. Sun, rain, and wind. Rightway Roofing knows Arizona and what it can do to your roof. From minor repairs to complete replacement, we've got you covered. Our state-of-the-art materials are designed to stand up to whatever Arizona dishes out. We offer a 15 to 30-year warranty depending on your roof, so you know it's done right. Rightway Roofing. Call or go online now for your free estimate. Rightway Roofing. There's only one way, the right way. Rightway Roofing. In the East Valley, call 480-232-5458. In the West Valley, 602-299-8851. Or go to azroof.com. Hi, I'm John Weisbach, co-host of FYI Network's hit TV show, Tiny House Nation. 
Now, people all over the country are downsizing, and tiny homes are all the big rage. But remember, even tiny homes need repairs, and left unattended, those tiny problems become big problems. Don't let that happen to you. Know what makes your home tick. Listen every week to Image Home Improvement Live, Saturday mornings on the Double Wide Network. All right, we are back, and uh, as as we are celebrating Fix and Flip Day here on Image Home Improvement Live, it, we're talking with uh, Jim Eckley from Eckley and Associates, and we want to uh, we want to thank Kevin Fulkerson for being on the show. He's always um, a great guest, always with some great information when it comes to planning your designing your home, as well as now you can actually contact him and through our website, Image Home Improvement, for your Investor needs, if you're thinking of dabbling in in it, you know, and one thing that we always do, we always want to try and do and make a, Dan, we need to do a disclaimer. We're not here, you know, Jim, myself, and you, we're not here to, like, scare people away from doing this. We're just trying to give people a fax so that this way they can make an educated decision. Do they want to get started doing this and learn more about it? And I think that's what's important to be able to do. That's right. You want to know what's uh, what's coming up in front of you before you get hit with a baseball bat. Okay. <laughs> and one, one of the other things, we also want to welcome Jeff Cadillac to the show right now. Jeff and I have been uh, friends for a long time. In fact, um, we actually, when uh, a few years ago when we were doing television, we filmed um, one of Jeff's flips. So um, as we affectionately called it, the uh, crack... The crack house over on the west oh side. Oh my God, I remember that. Remember thing. that one? It was marijuana. It wasn't crack. Oh, no. oh okay. Oh, that's right. They turned the a, garage into it was a, a grow house. Room. Legal. Yeah, it was legal. a grow It was legal. Room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, now it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. Now they could have put a dispensary sign in front yeah, of the garage go. door. There you go. And then CBD at the side door. That's it. <laughs> hey, welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Steve. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, great. So, anyway, um, you know, one of the things. Uh, Tell us a brief um, idea, Jeff, of your experience. Obviously, you've been doing fix and flips for like years and years and years. And how have you seen the market change along the way? As far as uh, what inventory out there, well, or how well, we're fixing well, them up? I mean, it's a, well, yeah, it's I mean, I mean, market. well, you know, the fix and flips as far as the market changing, and you know, certain I, I, like Jim said, there are a lot of guideline changes that constantly keep happening. I think because more and more people are trying to do it, but you know, they're they're trying to do it under the radar screen, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, in general, that's good. It's good. It's good to have him here today because he can give us a lot of advice of what we probably been doing wrong for a long time. I mean, I personally never got any phone calls like that. I used contractors and kept. The, I think it was six hundred bucks when I was doing it. Six hundred dollars was the minimum for a handyman. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it changed. Yeah, so well, six or seven fifty. I think seven fifty. Seven fifty. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, as far as uh, fix and flip, I think the inventory is uh, low. There's always fix and flips. I mean, bottom line, but the inventory is low. We're in a very saturated market here in Phoenix with all the uh, investors, the big box investors that are just taking properties for storefronts. Uh, storefronts. They're not really yeah. trying to make a profit on the flips. They're turning them into storefronts. I mean, I looked, last I looked in the MLS, I think um, the big box has had about 3 to 4% of the uh, inventory on the MLS right now. Uh, so it's hard for investors to find those good deals. You got to do the right marketing. Door knocking is absolutely going to work yeah. for you. Um, but uh, I've seen a change as far as inventory. I've been focusing more on my, my lending business now that things have kind of settled down and gotten back to normal, uh, if there is such a thing in our <laughs> industry. Um, but uh, and all in all, I think the, uh, the, the things that are coming out, there are a lot of loan programs out there that are helping investors today that weren't out there. Uh, the hard money stuff is still there. The rates are a lot better. Um, I did most of my stuff with private money, uh, purely for the appraisal issues that we didn't have to wait seven to ten days for appraisals, which is another topic we'll be wait, jumping into soon. I mean, what was what was the what was the? That's a, glad you brought that up, Jeff. What was the one question I asked you when you helped me when I got my mortgage earlier this year? The one question? Uh, yeah, one question. I said, I said, Lord knows, I hope I never have to go through this <laughs> when I buy a fix and flip because this is like worse. This is like worse yeah. than going to the dentist. No, it's a colonoscopy without anesthesia. Oh, yeah, man. that's they, what it is. That way, it was very well put. Oh. You know, with all the preparation, all the preparing, all the you know forward thinking we try to do to get that file to the underwriter as clean as possible, there's always something that's going to pop up. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so I try to I try to prepare people uh, and tell them, you know, listen, I'm going to try to ask you for things that we probably don't even need today, but I want them in my files, so I don't have to ask you for them in three weeks. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we went through that. Uh, I don't know how many emails I had. I, I had so many emails from Jeff when we were doing my house. I had to make a separate folder in Outlook. Right. To put them all in because they were all over the map. You had to expand your Dropbox and Google. Yeah, hey, see to that. You know, yeah, yeah really. You. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but you know, the one thing, guys, that I remember we talked about earlier was, uh, and maybe Jeff, you could chime in on this when Jim and I and Dan were talking about, you know, the issue about, you know, the appraisers. How qualified mm-hmm. are they? Are they accountable? You know, the one thing that I went through too that I noticed. Um, well, through Redfin, because Redfin was my realtor, um, I got a, an email a couple of weeks ago, and it was showing value of my home, like several months later. And all of a sudden, I looked at it, and I'm like, it's saying that it's worth like 285 <laughs> Now, it's like, it, you're going to tell me in like three, four months, it went up $30,000? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not unhappy but it's like you questioned it after what we all went through during the crash right is the yeah. figure accurate and no. i think that's the problem no matter what you're doing appraisals or anything you've got to do due diligence and go back and check it get a second opinion yeah. D- don't take you know i mean you know a lot of people like go out i mean i mean what, what's the first first word that comes to mind guys when i say the word zillow Bad appraisal. Oh, there you go. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> not, a, not 100%, but yeah, that is that is one of the biggest challenges real estate agency yeah. professionals in the industry are dealing with is that people are thinking their homes are worth. And I'll give you a, a little snippet of what I'm dealing with and it's actually happened as I speak. Two appraisals within a 60-day period. The first one came in at 585. The second one came in at 680. So you tell me how, how, how wrong. How did that happen? The appraiser was not really looking at the stuff. The permits that were filed weren't looked at. The square footage was incorrect. It was a quick, uh, they have a new algorithm with Fannie Mae now that's called the easy valuation where they don't have to pay the full amount for the appraisal. So everyone goes for the cheap 145 op- option, which I, I recommend if it's, if it's not that important for, for your appraisal um, that you don't you know, have to worry about the exact all the details. Um, but some of them you just don't want to do that because I think when they're getting paid $150 for an appraisal, you're going to get $150 $50 appraisal. appraisal. Well, yeah. well, it's the same thing like yeah, with, with an inspection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah so, you get what you pay for. You know, 60 days later, um, the first appraisal had to be, be disputed. It went up from 585 to 645 and then wasn't happy with that because they thought Zillow told them 760 It did come huh. in at 6, 680 but you know, that, how could you have the exact identical house? Nothing changes. And, you know, 30, 45 days later, the appraisal goes up by $100,000. Now, you know, here's an interesting scenario, okay? So taking your story to heart, okay, if the homeowner has a problem and feels that they're getting railroaded, is that an issue? Do they know, Jim, do they know that they have an option to seek out legal help? I mean, is that part of the process or? Well, getting a lawyer involved in arguing with an appraiser is a losing proposition. Okay. Usually the way, if I get involved at all and someone feels as though the valuation was wrong somehow, either too high or too low, is to talk to the appraiser, but on the terms of his own standards or guidelines for the particular underwriter that they're using for this loan. Now, uh, uh, typically though, when you talk to the appraiser, you're, you're already imperiling him because mm-hmm. you really aren't supposed to have those kind of ex-party communications. So what I'll typically do is I'll find uh, who the mortgage lender was that sent them, and I may have my conversation with them. Now, some of them go through a, a, a so-called uh, uh, interface with a, a, a group that assigns the appraisal sort of blindly from the lender, mm-hmm. and that's to just create a buffer between the lender and the appraiser so that they can't sit down and negotiate values. But the lender still has some authority on that because when the appraisal comes back, they can still run it through their loan committee and they can actually order another appraisal if they have to. And sometimes they do. On large loans, they will order a second appraisal right then and there, right, right up to, and a, even a second credit report right up to the date of closing. So then there, there's some room there, but not much. I haven't found that the lawyer can be much help there. Typically, it can be the broker if he goes out there with the, uh, with the underwriter, excuse me, with the appraiser. The broker, if they're pretty good at it, can give them some information they may not actually know about or have. Show them amenities they weren't aware of. Show them some comps on some private sales, maybe, that they wouldn't otherwise find on public record. So there, there can be some influence. It is a little bit limited. 
but uh, remember, most of the sale contracts that if you use an AAR residential resale agreement, which is probably 80% of the residential transactions in the state, it must appraise to price or better, uh, even to make the deal work. Because if it appraises below, it gives the buyer an automatic walk. So there's a tremendous pressure uh, to get that thing to appraise to price. And up and down the uh, network, everybody uh, pretty much knows that's where it really has to go. I have to say, it's been a long time since I've seen one that didn't appraise at least a price. What yeah. about you? Not right now. I'm dealing with, I had four just in the last 60 days. And I, and the, you know, credit to the appraisers, they are under pressure now that they weren't under back then. And the old handshake of, hey, can you get me an appraisal is no longer there. It's, you know, HVCC, HVAC, they call it. And um, it's, it's a bingo barrel. They're, you know, you don't have a choice of who's going out to the property, but the advice you just gave is absolutely the difference between the 585 and the 680. I tell my realtor partners every day, go meet the appraiser. Please let them see what you see because otherwise they forgot that the garage was converted into a living area and they eliminate 500 square feet or, you know, all stuff like that's so important. But to their defense, right now there are a thousand offers going out on every property, multiple offers, and borrowers are uh, just giving up and saying, give them what they want which is what the seller's putting on the price. So the appraiser's going and going, this isn't worth you know, 450, it's only worth 420. But I wouldn't have never won that contract if I didn't give the, buy, the seller what they wanted. We're in a seller's market right now, which I think is creating a lot of havoc for appraisers at this point because they're sitting there going, I can't appraise this for 450 when this, like he said earlier, if the bank comes back at me, I'm in big trouble. So you have a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, tough market at this point because everyone's out there putting overbidded prices. They have escalating clauses in their contracts, which is hurting well, actually, every deal. I'm encouraged if the appraisers are standing their ground then and saying they aren't, because of course this ever escalating price prices half the community, right? Out of ever being able to buy a home. Right. You know, so, well, that's what happened in 2008 and nine. Yeah. 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 Back in the, yeah, the, the old crash. But in the old right. days, yeah. the appraisers didn't stand their ground and they call that the great crash. Well, it's uh, because we, we would call the same appraiser back. And they were they were servicing yeah, us. Right. They were we they had a right. they had a, a human reason to keep us happy. Now the good thing is they did take that out, but it's also a bad thing because the human the human touch is gone. Where I really can't talk to a guy and just say, "Hey, I think you missed this." It takes three three weeks and two hundred emails to get that across to them from an appraiser that's sitting in Pennsylvania who has a contract with some appraiser here in California. In, uh, Arizona. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's it's they're gonna have to do something to tighten that up a bit because the conversations. I get it. I understand why they did it because there are people with houses that were the back was burnt and they were just taking frontal pictures and t- doing cash yeah. outs and never paying their mortgage. Well, that that's was, why we have satellite to catch <laughs> the other half. Well, another well, pressure yeah. on that marketplace is not only people who are going to be owner occupiers, but investors who are buying for rental. There's a vigorous rental market in this town, and as mm-hmm. prices go up, it increases that rental market and makes the returns ever better. Sure. So sometimes you say, well, it's so high that I guess an owner-occupier can find no reason to be there. And you say, yeah, but that person then is going to have to go rent. And there's going to be an investor who would just love to buy these kind of properties and rent it to those folks. So now you have a very vigorous rental market with some of the highest rents, I think, that they've seen in this town for a long, long time. So it's a sort of a yin and a yang. As we price out one market, you start another one. So I can see that the rental market's going to increase and improve. And if you look around... The, a lot of the big builders even stopped building single-family detached. Uh, they started building apartment complexes. You can look at some yeah. of the real high-end guys. For the first time, some of them have gotten into building apartment complexes because their bet is that in the future, the only market that's going to have any resiliency is going to be the rental market. Well, the one other thing to go take a look at, you know, from an investor standpoint is, uh, like you said, multifamily housing, where you'd be able to go back in and find a distressed multifamily home and go back and make a deal and go back. And plus, you know, if you're going to do a multifamily home, it's going to be a buy and hold. Somebody's going to, and it's going to be residual income to be able to take it and fix it, rent it, and you know make money off it. And even not just from multifamily homes, you could do the same from a commercial standpoint. You could do that. I mean, you know, um, my good friend Ben Bjorn said, who we've had on the show here, he's got all kinds of things going on in Lake Placid, New York, and he's he's into you know laundromats. He's making money, you know, and in those laundromats that are in areas where, like, for instance, where there are colleges and there are, there's a, a need for somebody for laundry. And then the coin-operated machines that are within the laundromat as well as the machines. And, you know, it goes on and on. So it, it all depends on how you want to get involved and do it and, and make money. But uh, I think you're right. Um, that single-family home is like 
dwindling, you know, unless you, what, like Jim said earlier, to go into those more distressed areas, which is only going to help those more distressed areas in the long run because we're going to rebuild them. It just has to make financial sense to go into those areas. Well, and the economic trajectory in the free world, at least, has been that if you take an older society, it turns out that uh, occupancy turns into primarily rental occupancy and residential properties. Look at Europe. You know, you can't buy a property any place in most of the European cities. Everything is rented, and it'll be rented from now on to the end of kingdom come. Going to some of New York's areas that have gone to rentals years ago and stayed that way, and nobody even thinks that there's any other way of owning a property than just renting it. Heck, yeah. half the time you're renting the home that your parents had rented all throughout your youth. So the, the, there is a theory that says that in the end, the American dream of single-family detached in my own little quarter acre someplace uh, with a drink in my butt on the back porch <laughs> may be of limited duration. And the, the ultimate goal is going to be a more congregate living style that's more energy efficient, more tax efficient, uh, and that we're all going to be tenants in the end. That's right. That's right. Jeff, how could our listeners contact you? Um, just give me a ring, 480-241-4663, or find me at lowratesfastclosings.com. Oh, I like that. Lowratesfastclosings.com. Okay. The past compliance uh, tests. So I'm good. <laughs> that's a pretty attractive name. Yeah. <laughs> that, that ought to, that, I, what was that number again? Maybe I need it. Lowratesfastclosings.com. Oh, yeah. man. There I'm you ready. go. There you go. All right. And, Jim, how could our listeners contact you? Easiest way is to just call us, 602-952-1177. We also are uh, on a website out there, which is Eckley Law, E-C-K-L-E-Y-L-A-W, all one word, dot com. There you go. And uh, Jeff is, and I should say, Jeff is a a great source of information. And Jim, Jim, I've known Jim for several years now, and, you know, he's he's the the legal mind. Anytime the show has a question, it's called Jim. And Dan, if you need a home inspection, how could they get a hold of Dan? Give me a call at 602-561-7272. There you go. And uh, any home improvement needs that you may have, give us a call at 623-580-0901 or visit us on the web at imagehomeimprovement.com. And we want to thank all our listeners for listening to the show today. Hope we were a great inspiration to your um, possible fix and flip you know, career. And like I said, any questions, give us a call and uh, email us at steve.imagehome at yahoo.com. But don't forget, if you ever thought about not listening to this program, resistance is futile. We'll see you next week. You're a great American. I love you. Well, we're moving on now. We're moving on up to-